This podcast contains some scenes voiced by actors using transcripts of press conferences and interviews from the time. Testimony was produced and recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, so audio quality may vary. There's a shadow hanging over Lee. For the past 36 years, a murder has loomed in the memories of this small mill town near Wigan. This is the story of a young girl robbed of her life one winter night in 1984. This is the story of a murder that still remains unsolved today. This is the story of a case that has haunted my career. My name is Neil Keeling and this is Testimony. Welcome to Testimony, a true crime podcast from Laudable. We speak to Neil Keeling, chief reporter at the Manchester Evening News, about the tragic case of Lisa Hessian, a schoolgirl murdered when she was just 14 years old. Neil guides us through the story, speaking to experts, campaigners and those who knew Lisa. So Neil, who was Lisa Hessian? Lisa Jane Hessian was born on April the 12th, 1970. This year she would have been 50, but she never blossomed into a woman. She never got married. Maybe she would have had children. She never even finished high school. She never chased her dreams. She never even reached 15. All of these things stripped away in one brutal act. Can you paint a picture of Lisa? I can never forget the school photo of Lisa, which her mum would later hold proudly for journalists, as she appealed in vain for help to identify the person who took her daughter's life. The school photo haunts me to this day, as does a family snapshot issued by police. It was taken on holiday in Mallorca, Lisa is suntanned in her favourite turquoise dress. She appears older than her years, on the brink of adulthood she would never know. On one dark night, December the 8th, 1984, she did what most teenagers do. She met up with friends at a party. They didn't have a care in the world, just kids having fun on a Saturday night. Top of the charts was The Power of Love by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. The next day it would be replaced as number one by Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. Before attending the party, Lisa discussed her plans with her best friend Anita Webb on the bus home from school. It would be the last time that Anita saw Lisa. This is a clip of Anita Webb from the Manchester Evening News, recorded back in 2017. My last memory of Lisa was getting off the bus, bottom of Bradshaw on the Friday night, the 7th of December. We'd finished school. She'd got two parties coming up. She'd got one on a Saturday night with Craig Newell at Andrew Eaton's. And then we got the school disco the following week, which I believe was on the Monday night. She was going to have blonde and gold streaks run through her hair. Not that she was already gorgeous enough, she just felt she had to do this. She walked down the top deck 
on what downstairs. I looked through the window, waved to her. That was it. Oh, that was our last conversation. It was for her to have a good weekend, enjoy the parties. She told me to have a good weekend and she'd see me on the Monday if she didn't speak to me over the weekend. Andrea Aldred, who grew up on the same estate as Lisa, describes what she was like as a teenager. We grew up on the same estate at Iyer Falls, um, went to the same primary school, and then obviously Lisa was a little bit older than me, just a year, by a year. And then when we went on to Bedford High, we still knew each other, but we have, we got different classes, so we got different friends, but we were still friends. What kind of young girl was she? A lovely girl, very very tomboyish, stood her ground, but a friend you'd like to have. She was a beautiful girl. What I'd, I don't even remember purse soaps, and they had a perfect complexion. That was Lisa. She had a perfect complexion. Her, uh, she'd just had she'd just had done, she'd just had the highlights put in. But she's always had a tomboy look to her, even though she was perfect skinned. And was she a popular pupil at school? Very, very popular. Not just with her own age, with with all, all pupils that she was a very popular girl. Lisa was a talented gymnast and cross-country runner. She attended Bedford High School in Lee. She was a popular girl, and according to her head teacher, she was academically bright. All that promise was lost when she was just 14 years old. Neil, why is this case so important to you? And why have you been following the story for over 30 years now? It was part of me, it was part of the way I grew up as a reporter, because it was the first murder that I had to cover. And I was on it for several weeks. I was only 25 at the time. I'd never covered a murder before. I had to sharpen up and do my job fast. And I, in some ways, went on automatic pilot like reporters do. And you just hunt for the best lines, the best information. And that's what I was doing. I had to do my job. But from the moment I walked into a press conference at Lee Police Station on Monday, December the 10th, 1984, my empathy for Lisa and her mum, Christine, was almost overwhelming. I became obsessed with wanting to see the case solved. But at the same time, it affected me because she was such a young, sweet kid. And then... Over the years, fast forward to 2020, it resonates with me even more powerfully now because I've got a 15-year-old daughter who's strong, fit and loved, just like Lisa was. And it just makes me think, how would I react if she was taken from me? in that fashion. I have not suffered the numbing pain and anguish of losing a daughter in such a violent, appalling way, or the torment of knowing the person responsible has so far gone unpunished. But now, older, 
I can imagine the devastation it would bring on a family. It has amplified my desire to make sure Lisa's murder remains in the public's mind and is not resigned to newspaper cuttings files and a once-every-decade appeal by police. What happened on the night of the murder? I spoke to Martin Bottomley, head of Greater Manchester Police's cold case unit, who talked me through what happened to Lisa that night. Greater Manchester Police have not given up on the case. It has been reviewed several times. Yes, it was Saturday the 8th of December 1984 and Lisa had made arrangements to meet a boyfriend. They were going to go to a party at Lee Road in Lee. This was one of their friends. And uh, a number of people, uh, young people, uh, ended up at the party and had a good time by all accounts. Um, Lisa left the house on her own um, about quarter past ten that evening because she'd arranged with her mum that she'd be back home for half past ten. And what route would she have taken? Well, she was seen um, turning left off St Helens Road onto Book Street, and that would have been the usual route for Lisa to take to her home address. And then she'd be turning right onto Oak Street and down Newlands Road onto Bonniewell Road. But, of course, she didn't arrive home, and uh, her mum became very worried shortly after half ten, actually. You know, within 15 minutes of her uh, not coming home, she was... She, she went out to look for her. And in fact, she went out a couple of times and went out again at quarter past 11 and still didn't find her, obviously. As well as looking in the streets, Lisa's mother, Christine, rang the phone of best friend Anita Webb. She remembers receiving that panicked call. Saturday night, I was in bed about 10.30, 22, 11. Phone rang. My gut instinct was that something wasn't right with Lisa. Lisa was either ringing for a lift or my mum, after the phone call, asked me again, was I covering for Lisa? Was I hiding something? Which I said I wasn't. I said, I honestly hadn't got a clue, but it was going to character for Lisa. If she told her mum she'd be home, she would be home. What do you believe occurred when she entered Book Street, which was the last time she was seen alive? Well, Lisa was found just before midnight. Um, and this is only about two minutes away from Lisa's home address, two minutes walk from her home address. And she was found in the recess of a garage at the rear of Rugby Road. So clearly she'd been attacked at that location. And I can say that with some certainty because uh, she had been carrying an umbrella and that was found about 10 or 11 yards away from her body and also a pair of earrings which were identified as Lisa's earrings were found near to Lisa's body, uh, as I say, at the rear of the garage on Rugby Road. So she was clearly attacked in that area uh, by an unknown man. Two days after the murder, on December the 10th, I knocked on doors of neighbours in the area, as well as attending briefings by police. One door was in Oak Street, it was the then home of Anita Webb, Lisa's best friend, who should have been going with her to the school disco that night. I spoke to Anita's mother, Dorothy, who told me Lisa came to their house every morning on her way to school. Lisa, she said, was a very pleasant girl and lovely looking. Anita had taken her death very badly and had gone to school crying. She told me her daughter was now terrified and everyone on the estate was nervous, fearing the killer could be local. 
More than three decades later, I spoke to Anita herself in 2017. The memory of her best friend still burns brightly. The next morning after I'd completed my paper round, took the same route as I'd always done, came back down Bonnywell and up, up Newlands. As I got onto Newlands Road, I saw a police officer stood at the end of Rugby Road backs. I stopped on my bike to glance up and I saw a Paul in that that I know friends would choose. And immediately again, felt it was something to do with Lisa. On arriving home, I told my parents what I'd seen. My mum contacted the police and on confirmation of us giving them Lisa's full name, they confirmed that it was Lisa's body that had been found the night before and that she'd been murdered. For me, that was the worst possible news I could receive. My world was shattered. My first thoughts were that while we were all at home, safe, less than two minutes from our door, my best friend was fighting for a life and we hadn't got a clue. And if we had a drop, she might still be here today. Perhaps if she'd have taken a different route and come down our street, if she thought someone was following her, she could have knocked on our door. She knew she'd have been safe, but she didn't. That's why I'm convinced that person must have been at the bottom of our street and not following her own. I knew the way she walked. I knew where she walked. We did it time after time. She never faltered from that same walk home. Speaking to Anita Webb, Lisa's best friend, was perhaps one of the most emotional interviews I've done in my career as a journalist. We did it in one take and she just spoke with deep affection about her friend who she still misses to this day. I think the most upsetting part of the interview was when she recalled with clarity how she couldn't get out of her mind the fact that while she was tucked up safely in bed, just 150 yards away, her best friend Lisa was lying in an alley, having been murdered. Neil, you have since revisited the scene where it happened. What was the feeling that you got when you went there? Both from the people of Lee, and just thinking about the scene anyway, building a picture of what happened that night. It was quite interesting when I returned. Obviously, I'm there with uh, people recording the scene. So there's three journalists, basically, in the vicinity. And I was immediately approached by a, a local resident, just kindly inquiring what we were up to. And as soon as I mentioned the killing of a young girl that we were re-looking at, she said to me, Lisa, and I nodded which was an indication to me how she's not been forgotten, Lisa. And on that day, I went back to the alley where she was killed. And it struck me that Lisa would never have gone up that alley 
unwillingly. She was a strong young girl. And I do believe personally that the person who escorted her up that alley, she knew, which is why she went into such a dark place, which was also out of earshot of most homes, as well as out of sight. And given the circumstances of what happened when she was grabbed so close to her own home, what do you think about the speculation, even by the police, that the person responsible is extremely local to that part of Lee? I believe it's very local to where Lisa lived, not just to local to Lee. I believe it is close to that very area where Lisa lives. I believe that's where the killer will be from. Andrea Aldred. There's no way. In, in them days, everybody knew each other. You looked out, you had to be in for a certain time. The, the lights, When the lights went on, that was your in time. That night, Lisa got a little bit longer to stay out because she was going to a party. She wouldn't have, if somebody had shouted her, she'd have had to know them to go anywhere near that back. She wouldn't have took a shortcut. So do you think she went up that alley because she knew him? More, very more, more than likely, yeah, because Lisa wouldn't have gone to somebody she didn't know. Especially with being a girl, it's not what you do as a girl yourself. It, it, I remember like being a teenager myself at that time, even before that happened to Lisa, and thinking you'd never go anywhere on your own, and you wouldn't go any, you wouldn't go down a, a, a dirt back street unless it was somebody that you knew. Ryan Daly is part of the Let's Get Justice for Lisa Jane Hessian and her mum Christine Facebook group. How? How convinced are you, Ryan, that the killer was local to Lee or even local to that specific part of the town? Oh, oh, I, oh de- definitely. Definitely a local bloke. More than likely, he lived on that estate or in the Leebridge area um, or Mavalane or, or the, like the Leebridge area or the Mavalane area or Pennington. I definitely, definitely think it's some, the, the man who did it was local, especially to that estate. I mean, over years, um, I spoke to many people from that estate who I know, even before I started this campaign in 2016, and even that, now me raising awareness, and a lot of folk think the killer was a man who lived on the estate at the time, someone who wouldn't look out of place at night being on that estate, someone who was familiar, a familiar face to, to folk who lived on that estate. So you probably wouldn't even suspect someone who was around that area at night. On that estate, there's a lot of routes and areas and um, shortcuts. And from where Lisa Hessing were found, in the backs, there's three exits from them backs, and two of the exits lead you onto Rugby Road. Then, like, whichever exit you go to, you can either go on, um, when you're on Rugby Road, you can either go from onto Eaton Street or you can go onto Eric Crescent once you leave them backs and you're back on Rugby Road. And then there's a third exit, um, what leads you on to um, Newland Road, where obviously Lisa was grabbed. Now, no, up until about 1995, um, on Newland Road, there was actually a field, um, which I actually do remember um, it being there when I was like a young lad. Um, and it's now an housing estate, and it's been an housing estate since like 1995. So for me, like, if that person's been local, and they've lived there, they've had easy access, but you make a quick getaway to one of them exits, or he, or they could have good knowledge of the shortcuts of that estate. But I definitely think he's got links to that estate, definitely. I, um, 
maybe he grew up on there and he's moved away or whatever. Like, I don't know. But um, I, I, hope, I hope to God we find out. But who's to say he's not still living there or not come back? We don't know. But, I mean, the Lisa Hessian thing is still a big thing in life. It hangs over our town. It's like a black cloud. So many people in, in our town want the case solving. It's very important to us leafers. Lisa was found just 200 yards from the front door of her home in Bonniewell Road, Lee, which she shared with her mum, Christine, and grandma, Ellen. Can you describe what sort of person Christine Hessian was like and how she responded to you reporting on the murder? Newsroom ethics were different in 1984 and... I was sent three times to knock on Christine Hessian's door, which was a gross intrusion of grief, really. Despite that, every time I knocked, she spoke softly to me from behind the door and said she understood that I'd got a job to do, but she wasn't up to speaking at that moment. Eventually, Christine did an interview with another reporter, which we all shared. But I'll never forget how gracious and civil she was to me when really I was at fault for pestering her three times in probably an hour. Her civility and politeness towards me on her doorstep as I intruded into unimaginable grief has remained with me. She was so gracious and kind it has inspired me to try and keep the case alive and in the public eye. What did Christine Hessian say she did on the night of Lisa's murder? She had gone out looking for Lisa, her only child, when she did not return home. Three times she walked past an entrance to the alley where Lisa was lying. She agonised how if she had looked down the ginnel, perhaps she could have done something. She told how she had stood on a corner, waiting for her daughter's white boots to come along the pavement. But she never came. Then she warned other mums of teenagers. This is based on a press conference from 1984, voiced by actors. Go and meet them. Don't allow them to come home on their own. I I'm not just talking about girls. I think, oh, it's a violent world we live in. It's awful. When you were actually wandering around looking for her, you must have actually passed the spot where the... Three times. I think that's what hurts more than anything. I could have done something. I don't know what, but I don't know. Perhaps I could have. I don't know. It's just knowing now that I actually passed her three times and I could have probably helped her. And why did she come home on her own that night? She always comes home on her own, you know. It's a lot of things like, why didn't she run? Or put up a struggle? Or, well, I don't know whether she did or not. Because she can run. Uh, I, I don't know. It just seems so senseless. But when you were looking for her, you never thought that this could have happened to her? No, no. I never thought anything like this. No. Years after Lisa's murder, Christine Hessian would look after young girls in the area, making sure they were safe on their walks home, even escorting them home. Brian Daly explains. I remember um, just before the investigation, uh, they reopened it in 2004, 
I remember one of my, my friend's elder sister walking down like um, Bonnywell Road, and it was quite late at night. I think it was like on a Friday or Saturday night. Um, and Christy Essen actually came out of the house and said, like, to my friend's sister, what, what are you doing out at this time? And she said, well, I'm like, go and meet my mates. And she actually, like, persuaded her. She said, please, will you go on? Because you know what happened to my daughter and it could possibly still be around here. And I do know she did just encourage young, young girls, especially on that estate, that go back, for like, not be walking on their own and stuff. And um, and what, it's actually interesting because one of my, my um, friends who's, I think she's... 41 something like that was telling me like even in the 90s um when my friend was like a teenager she only lived um not that right corner from where lisa's mum lived and i remember she she told me um she used to be a corner of bonnewell road and she used to be like meeting she used to be like saying bye to her friends and and christine a few times came out of the house and said like i'll walk you home like just let me get i think she said she had a dog um Christine had a dog and she'd walk my friend home, which which were really nice for someone to do. But it's just a shame that someone has to put up with living there for all them years without ever getting closure. And, of course, the, the added poignancy of this is that for so many years, her mum, Christine, campaigned to get justice. And then, of course, a few years back, she passed away herself. It's very sad, isn't it? Very, very sad. It, it that's one of the things that eats me away like thinking that I'm I became a mother I became a grandmother Christine never she got all that snatched away from her Lisa never grew up she she's forever a child Christine never got thought see her get married she never became a grandmother she just she had all her life stole away because he didn't just take Lisa he took her mum as well and in later years she maintained great grace and dignity when she appealed for information to try and find Lisa's killer. She helped the police every time they wanted to resurrect the case. It's just deeply sad that Christine died in January 2016, aged just 69, after living with cancer for a short while. So now there's no one left to fight for justice for Lisa Hessian, except Greater Manchester Police's cold case unit and journalists like me. Coming up in part two of Testimony. My gut instinct is that the person who, who murdered Lisa must have been local, must have known the area, and must have known, you know, this back entry gill that uh, afforded some degree of seclusion for him to drag Lisa down and murder. What do you think about the possibility that the same man was responsible for a spate of sexually motivated attacks on young women? No, I, I believe Lisa's killer is a totally different person to the ones that were being attacked around Lee, whereas I think Lisa's killer was infatuated with her. I'm convinced even after over 30 years, he was the cop. And I'm telling you, I'm not having it that someone doesn't know who the, who the person is who, who killed Lisa Hessian. If I'm right, then, then the person shielded him is just as guilty. 